0: And away we go. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest Motor Millennials podcast episode. I'm Zach Rothenberger with Anthony
1: Lucci, as always. Anthony, how are we doing today? Awesome, Zach. I mean, I don't know how we could have kicked the year off any better. We had two amazing guests on to kick our 2022 podcast season off to, uh, off to the races, I guess. So first we had Amanda Buzik on, and then we had the legendary eight-time NHRA top fuel champion himself, Tony Schumacher. I mean, how can you get any better than that?
0: Yeah, I will say it was pretty uh, – well, for both Amanda and Tony, it was, it was pretty crazy seeing their names pop up on the old mm-hmm. the Zoom, uh, the Zoom meeting. <laughs> so it was very cool, and, you know, we were able to get some really good uh, insight from both Amanda and Tony, not only just from a racing perspective, but also from, like, a, a life lessons perspective and just some really cool things that they – they discussed in their careers, both, you know, one in journalism and one, obviously, as an eight-time NHRA top fuel champion and probably one of the best, one of the best, or if not the best, top fuel racer in NHRA history. And, uh, you know, some things that, that they really talked about was the power of positivity, um, I talked about being prepared and how being prepared, you know, for big moments when they come and then you don't really have to think about it too much. You just do it and you act. Um, and also, they shared their passion for what they do and really expressed how having a passion for what you do in life, whether it's a hobby racing or you know, um, competing in anything or your job, it just really goes a long way. So positivity, preparation, and passion were some of the three the three p's that I would say we took away from meeting with Amanda and Tony. So if you haven't checked those out, be sure to check them out wherever you listen to podcasts. and um, another important thing we need to mention before we get started is, our winner of our gift card raffle to start the year was Mr. Mike Jeroni, who we were fortunate enough to have on the podcast last year. And uh, he's a good friend of the show. So we're really happy to see, see Mike win it. We would have loved everyone to win, but uh, yeah, we appreciate everyone's participation. And one other last thing to note is we are now on YouTube at Motor Millennials. Two weeks ago, Amanda Music we had, and then that was on YouTube last week. And this week we'll be having Tony Schumacher's episode on YouTube. So I know you love hearing our voices, but if you want to see our pretty faces and our guests' pretty faces, go to YouTube.
1: Yeah, everyone, make sure you uh, subscribe and, like Zach said, we're going to be rolling out our episode with Tony Schumacher this week. So make sure you get over there, and um, we have a lot, a lot of exciting stuff going on really early in the year. I hope Zach. I hope we're not getting ahead of ourselves, and you know, not saving some of this stuff for the middle and end of the year, but I think, I think it's like one of those things. Why not do it while we, while we have the, the option to, um, so what, what am I talking about? Well, next week, we're going to have another great guest on this time. It's the three time top fuel champion who was a former teammate of Tony Schumacher's. And this time it's going to be the one and the only Antron Brown. So that's going to be super exciting as well.
0: Yeah, we're very excited to have Antron join us next week. Uh, as you mentioned, Anthony, three-time Top Fuel champion. He has 68 total NHRA event wins, 52 from Top Fuel and 16 from Pro Stock Motorcycle. Yeah, he, he, I would say he's fairly local to us because he's from New Jersey. Englishtown was his home track. So this is this will be very cool. I know his son is racing. Not only, He graduated from juniors into a Super Comp Dragster, I believe. So we're really looking forward to hearing from Antron more about that and just his career in general. So definitely be to be sure to tune in next week for that episode.
1: And with English town clothes, we we'll they ask him if he thinks Maple Grove is his current hometown track. I don't know. Or maybe there's Lebanon Valley, right? That might be a little bit closer.
0: Or Atko. Yeah.
1: Atco too. Yeah. But yeah, it's going to be going to be exciting. It's, it's awesome just to hear the perspective of, um, these drivers and Amanda has a NHRA reporter really gives you kind of puts everything into perspective. And they really, you know, shows you that it doesn't happen overnight. Like things take time and you gotta, you gotta work your butt off and, but it all pays off in the long run. So yeah. we're super excited and thankful to have them join us on the podcast. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. Not only is it cool to get to talk to, you know, those successful people, but if you really listen to these episodes, there's a lot you can take away from it and apply in your own life and hearing it from people like Amanda or Tony, and I'm sure Antron coming up and hopefully other guests, you know, that we have in the future. It's very enlightening. It makes you feel it's inspiring too, honestly.
1: Yeah, it it really is. And um, we want to thank everyone out there who has um, been sharing our episodes and our Facebook and social media posts. So um, thanks to all of our listeners, Zach and I are both looking forward to keep bringing all of you great content throughout the year and for many years to come. So, Zach, I wanted to talk about a few things that kind of happened in the last week. So, Meekum at the auction down in Florida, I mean, crazy, crazy numbers with some of, the, some of the cars that went across the auction block. I mean, I just couldn't believe what we're seeing. And I guess it's a double edged sword, right? Like, it's good, great to see these cars appreciating value. But then some of the cars that like you dream of when you're a kid and you're like, Oh, I'd love to have a 69 Camaro Z 28 one day. And then they're kind of starting to approach the point for um, just, you know, average people to be able to afford them. They're kind of becoming unattainable, but I guess that's the way things go over time. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was definitely, there was a lot of beautiful cars there. And I know that the, I think it's semi Florida where it was, this is like their biggest one of the year, I believe. And I think they actually set a record this year for their total sales. And which is great to hear because we always talk about, we're nervous about what the future holds with, you know, the automotive and the car restoration, you know, hobby and and inside of the business side of things in the market. And I think this was really a positive for people like, like that. And I know like we've had those concerns too. So it was a very positive thing to see. I mean, Obviously over the last handful of years we've seen resto mods start to outvalue original restoration vehicles and while resto mods are still very highly priced and valued this Mecum this last this last week showed the original cars and the restoration cars that didn't have an LS1 in it are starting to climb back and match the value of a resto mod so the fact that both of those styles of cars are becoming equally valued at such a high price shows that the enthusiast market is, is high right now, which is really great to see. I mean, obviously for the average person, you know, you, you can't really afford them, but you can always still get one of them make it your own and make it that way. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, if you're, some people just, they love the car for what it is and maybe they can't afford a real one. They can't afford a real W30. They can't afford a real LS6 Chevelle, a GSX, you know, whatever that might be, but you can always, like you said, make your car your own. Um, but yeah, just a lot of really interesting cars across the block. And even, even some of, uh, Tommy, Tommy Ivo's previous vehicles, uh, even the four engine, uh, dragster, which Tony ironically mentioned on our previous podcast, where he saw it in the glass trailer in the area that he grew up. So just really interesting stuff. And I think one of the things probably wondering, you know, might have a factor on some of these prices. Like we all know the electric cars are coming, right? So like, is that ultimately going to push the value of like any type of semi or really collectible car up? Because we know they're not going to, like at some point, they're not going to be making any more of them, right? Unless someone develops a synthetic fuel that works in all these vehicles. But right now that's, that's not it doesn't look like that's the way things are going. So is that pushing the value of all these up? Um, and I think it's kind of beneficial too for like, let's say, I think Zach, you mentioned to me a little bit earlier, like the late eighties Camaros and the early nineties Corvettes, which like they, you could get one of those for four or $5,000 for, for a while now. And now they're starting to approach what, twenty, 000, thirty thousand $30,000, some of them, some of the examples
0: yeah i mean and no offense to anyone who owns one but like the late 80s early 90s corvettes aren't necessarily the most desirable year of corvette but they were going for over 30 grand and and even mid-30 thousand dollars at this i mean grant and Meekum, the cars are literally like concourse cars concourse cars where they're literally you know less than ten thousand miles on most of these vehicles and beautifully maintained and stuff like that so they're kind of the outlier but still we've never seen them go that high before at, at an auction. So and I think you know you mentioned the rise of the electric vehicles coming and I also think it's the generational generational shift we're seeing too because you're seeing some of the older millennials who were born in the 80s or early 90s are starting to have money to be able to buy cars that they grew up admiring. And yeah. the '80s and '90s vehicles are those cars, and like we've seen with the fourth gen Camaros and the Transams, it's the same deal. Those values are rising because of that too.
1: Yeah, and then especially like when the first gen cars, even like first or second gen cars, when they they reach prices where it's like, okay, I definitely can't afford that. Well, what do you do? You go to the next best thing. So you go to a third gen or a fourth gen. And then what's going to happen when a bunch of people have that mindset? the prices are going to go up, right? Because there's, we know the supply isn't there anymore. They're not making any more of these, but there's higher demand. Well, that's economics, basic economics. It's going to, you know, the, the prices are going to go up. So yeah, some exciting stuff. Um, I mean, it'll be interesting to see, watch all the other collector car auctions uh, throughout this year. We get, definitely got a, a bunch ahead. That was definitely exciting. And some other news broke with uh, Tony uh, Stewart racing. TSR um with Dodge and Mopar um being the partners for TSR really. So that's exciting too. I I think that new uh, Charger body uh on Matt Hagan's car looks pretty darn sharp if I have to say so myself.
0: Yeah, you know, um I'm, I'm not too surprised to hear that I kind of figured it would either be them or Toyota because mm-hmm. uh, well, actually Ford could have been an option too because stewart haas racing and you know tony stewart's nascar team they used the ford mustang as their body so i was a little surprised there that it wasn't ford but i mean leah and matt they were always they always raced the dodge you know and, and mopar powered vehicles under don schumacher racing and it also seems like tony stewart is kind of mirroring the don schumacher mold of being with the mopar and the dodge theme in, in partnership which makes sense i mean you know it's it's like something i've always heard and i think even tony schumacher said it last week was you know you you, you go to the guy at the top you go to the guy who's winning for advice you don't ask the guy who's losing for advice and don schumacher is probably the winningest team you know along with john force's team obviously in in nhra history so i think tony stewart's on to something and he's got two good drivers and partnering with you know dodge srt and mopar is uh is obviously a good move in you know my opinion
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Good move. And yeah, like you said, we knew, you know, Leah obviously has a great relationship with Dodge and Mopar. Um, so it's going to be exciting to see what that team can accomplish in the season ahead. I mean, we're going to be, we're going to be racing in really just a couple of weeks here. So it's it's definitely exciting. I
0: think we're, we're exactly one month away. I think, I think February 17th is the start of Pomona. If I remember correctly, Nice. Yeah, so it's really around the corner and I know even the local race tracks around here, I know, you know, Cecil County down in Maryland, they start up here very shortly too, like in in March, I believe. So, it's very exciting times right now and uh hopefully winter just keeps on flying. I know we got snow and ice the last overnight, but get that out of here.
1: I was literally looking at like the yearly temperature forecast earlier today to see when it's gonna it's gonna start warming up. So,
0: <laughs> there's some light at the end of the tunnel hopefully
1: (laughs) yeah yeah it says it starts in february it starts creeping up slowly but then after that it kind of takes off so we, we got some stuff to look forward to
0: yeah totally and one other one last piece of you know what's been new over the last week or two that we haven't been able to cover because we've had great guests on is uh don garlitz turned 90 on january 14th so you know happy belated to don happy belated birthday to don garlitz probably you know the biggest visionary i would say in nhra and in drag racing history i mean if it wasn't for him there 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 might there might, there might not still be there might not be a rear engine dragster yeah. <laughs> you know, he was the one who first designed the rear engine dragster and not only from a performance perspective but from a safety perspective think about all the lives he he saved i mean a top fuel running a top fuel front engine dragster is probably the most dangerous things you could ever do and you know in 1971 he came out with the rear dragster And really kind of set the world on fire uh you know and in some accolades that some people might not be aware of is don garlitz has won 144 national events he's a 10-time ahra champion a four-time ihra champion and a three-time nhra champion so he has 17 national championships across the board in drag racing
1: i didn't even know that wow
0: yeah it's extremely impressive and Obviously, everyone knows him for the Swamp Rat, which he had he had 34 different variations of the Swamp Rat that he built by hand himself. I mean, he was the ultimate, like, tinkerer. Like Phil hot Rodder, right? And, yeah, Hot Rodder. Yeah, right. He was the ult- ultimate Hot Rodder. I mean, he paved the way for so many different things in drag racing and in Hot Rodding. And uh, whether you like it or not, it was in 2019, he came out with an electric dragster that went 189 miles per hour and seven two three seconds in a quarter mile so even even today he's out there still building stuff
1: <laughs> that's that's air. crazy i mean and i think it's that's in your blood right like you see I already developed the rear engine dragster, so obviously he kind of has that mind he's like a visionary right so like what can i do to improve what we currently have so i mean you know hats off to him yeah. as well, always. and another thing was his the enclosed cockpit a mm-hmm. dragster because he
0: was the only one who had that no one ever i don't believe no one mirrored that in the heyday in the 70s and the 80s even the 90s obviously top fuel for safety reasons uh, i believe it was about 10 years ago they started to make it mandatory for all top fuel dragsters but you know think about it he was way ahead of the time we didn't fully mandate that until the 21st century where he did it in the 70s and the 80s thinking ahead, not only from a safety perspective, but also from an aerodynamic perspective. So I think the one, like we said already a couple of times, visionary, that's exactly what he, what he is. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think actually, and we can, maybe we can touch on this with Antron, but I think Tony Schumacher and Antron, I think DSR was one of the first teams to actually bring the canopy back. And I know there were some teams that before it was mandatory they weren't using that. So that's definitely an interesting point where that kind of Don had that way back then. And then now, like I I believe it, like you said, now it's mandatory in the top fuel class. Yeah, that's a great point. I think you're right though, too. So, well, we appreciate everyone tuning in to this episode of Motor and Millennials. As always, you can find us on social media at Motor and Millennials. We have our apparel store up at motorandmillennials.com. Got some new items up there. So make sure you check that out. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can click on our link tree under our bio on Instagram or Facebook to access that. And like I said, we have our Amanda Buzik interview up there. Tony Schumacher interview will be rolled out this week. And then make sure you tune in for Antron Brown in the upcoming weeks. And yeah, we got a lot of exciting stuff planned and we're off to the races in 2022. So appreciate everyone tuning in. And as always, keep on motoring. Hit it.